Welcome to the STEMness Podcast, a podcast produced at the Cohen College of Engineering at the University of Houston, aimed at celebrating trailblazing women in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You will hear industry leaders, engineering researchers, and female faculty members at the Cullen College talk about their journeys in STEM and how their work impacts the next generation of female STEMinists. Hi, I'm Arya Shunker. I'm currently a biomedical engineering senior at the University of Houston, and I'm one of the hosts of the STEMinist podcast this season. Thank you for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoy. So this morning, I'm joined with Alex Landon, professor of practice here at UH. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining me today. Thanks, Arya. It's really good to be here. Absolutely. So my first question is, could you just please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, I'm happy to. I am a proud uh, Houstonian. I was born and raised in Frenzo, Texas, so about 40 minutes from U of H. I uh, left Texas to go study mechanical engineering at Princeton University. And then after Princeton, I worked for a clean energy startup here in Houston called Clean Line Energy. And then I decided I wanted to switch industries from energy to education. So I went back to business school at Harvard Business School to sort of make that industry switch. Um, worked in a lot of different education organizations. I worked for Emerson Collective and EdTech Investing. I worked for Boston Public Schools in their Department of Early Childhood. And then I did a stint as a management consultant in primarily higher education uh, before landing at a company called Panorama Education, which is an education technology company based in Boston. Um, there I was the vice president of strategy and finance and saw the company grow from about 150 people to almost 500 when I left three years later. Um, wanted to move back to my hometown of Houston, so came back here, and now I'm a professor of practice in engineering at University of Houston, getting to share my passion for engineering <laughs> and problem solving with students like you. Awesome, thank you so much. So um, could you talk about your undergraduate experience as Princeton as a mechanical engineering student? Um, first of all, why mechanical engineering, and then if you had any internships or research positions, could you talk about that as well? Yes, happy to. Well, I think the reason I chose mechanical engineering is the reason many people cho choose mechanical <laughs> engineering. It's one of the most broad engineering disciplines and also um, it tends to be very hands-on. Uh, if you like to build things, if you like to solve problems that you can see, those are the types of people who often become mechanical engineers, although there are plenty of mechanical engineers who <laughs> work on problems that are harder to see or nanoscale. Um, I was really interested in energy when I was in high school and sort of saw mechanical engineering as a way to potentially work in that industry. So that also influenced my choice. Um, you also had internships mm -hmm. and research. So in terms of internships, um, summer after my freshman year, I taught English actually in Taiwan. Um, that's where my best friend in college was from. So I got to stay with her family and that was an amazing experience. And then my uh, sophomore and junior summers, I had more traditional internships working for energy companies here in Houston. One was called Element Markets and there I worked on landfill gas to energy projects. And then the second one was Clean Line where I ended up joining full time. And there I worked on um, transmission lines for wind energy. So those are my internships. Um, in terms of research, I had sort of two uh, research experiences that were big in college. One was working on a student group project that was um, led by Dr. Catherine Peters, uh, 
uh, building what we called power in a box. Mm -hmm. So the idea was, can we build a retractable wind turbine that fits into a standard shipping container that could be transported to disaster sites and provide energy quickly? Um, so I got to work on that. And then at Princeton, everyone has a senior thesis or a senior project, sort of similar to our capstone here. Mm -hmm. So for that project, my senior year, I worked on um, thermal energy storage with two classmates. Um, and we got to do a lot of different research related to enhancing materials to make them better for thermal energy storage and thinking about could we apply thermal energy storage to our co-generation plant that was on campus. Wow, that's like very technical work. Um, I'm curious as to what made you want to switch into this technical engineering into education and why you chose to do that through an MBA? Great question. So I think of engineering as all, being all about problem solving. Mm -hmm. And I don't really feel like that's ever changed. I feel like I always work on solving problems, whether they're, you know, we consider technical problems or business problems or problems in education about how do I get someone to learn this the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that problem solving attitude is has not changed at all. Um, but it just kind of what problems interested me the most at the time. So um, I decided to get an MBA because I wanted to actually change industry. So mm -hmm. I had been working in the energy industry. That's what all of my internship experience was in, but I was doing some volunteering mm -hmm. on the side for um, Kip Houston and really loved that and decided, oh, I want to work in education, not just it's 9 p.m. and on the weekends, mm -hmm. but all the time. And thought an, a, a typical reason people go back to MBA is to make that industry sw mm -hmm. switch. And so that was one of the reasons. And then the other reason is I really wanted to think about and get better at how do I lead and manage people? Because one of the things I saw when I was working is um, at the end of the day, it's people that solve problems. So the way that a company is structured, the way that managers lead, the systems that are set up, that'll actually impact the types of problems and how good at problem solving a company can be. So that element of how do you become a good leader? How do you learn how to manage and build teams? That was really interesting to me. And that was something that pushed me to get an MBA. Absolutely. How do you think your engineering background supplemented your MBA um, at one of the most prestigious business schools in the country, as well as your postgrad experiences, such as management consulting, like you mentioned? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> when I think about what engineering gave me, I think it's really three things. The first is how to think and how to solve problems, especially problems that I haven't seen before, mm -hmm. right? Because in engineering, we're always getting something new thrown at us. And it's not just like someone showed you how to solve a problem and you go solve the exact same problem, right? We're solving problems that are somewhat different or somewhat new. I think the second thing is how to work on teams. Mm -hmm. So in engineering, as you know, it's a lot of late nights <laughs> doing problem sets with your classmates. For sure. And I think that's a really good preparation for business and for you know any industry job um, because we do very little in individual silos and we're very frequently working in groups. So I think that is something that came from engineering that's really helped me. Um, and I think the last thing, it seems basic, but I think it's probably the biggest one is just how to work hard and how to persevere when something is really challenging because and engineering and undergrad wasn't easy for me. And I think that was a really great learning experience, how to do something that's really hard. Um, and there's a lot of times in my MBA and working that I had to do things that felt challenging, but I feel like it felt like, oh, I've done challenging things before, so mm -hmm. I can do it again. And I think that's because 
I had that experience as an engineering undergrad. Do you think it was harder for you to learn the material in business school as an engineering major rather than maybe finance undergrads or people who had a business undergrad or was it a pretty easy learning process? That's a great question. I actually found it easier than learning really? engineering material. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's because as engineers we you know, learn how to study, we learn how to take in big amounts of information and data and how to synthesize it. And I felt like that felt very familiar mm -hmm. in business school. Um, and so it was a lot of reading, probably more reading than um, engineering undergrad. And at Harvard Business School, it's all case-based. So you're reading a case and you're coming in discussing, mm -hmm. discussing it. So there aren't really problem sets in the same way. Um, but I felt like I sort of had that discipline of how to study, how to think critically, how to force myself to come to an answer, even if I was a little <laughs> bit unsure. And I think that's actually something that is hard in business school because you show up to class and they say, okay, if you're the CEO of this company, what would you do? And it's really easy to be like, well, it depends. But, you, <laughs> but they force you to say like, no, with the information I have, here's what I think I would do. And I feel like um, it's sort of like how you have to get to an answer, mm -hmm. even if you're not sure, or there's an engineering, right? Like when you're doing design, there's not just one answer, mm -hmm. right? There's infinite answers to how to design a solution to solve a problem or how to design a product that does some, meet some specifications. And so that felt like maybe not as scary as it did for other people. And even coming from finance, right? Like when you're doing your finance homework, there normally is one answer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very different, I think, <laughs> from engineering and from business. So it didn't feel, it felt easier, I'll say, that, than engineering school. During you said during your MBA or during your grad school, this was when you began to um, really immerse yourself within the education space. Were there any other orgs or involvements that um, I guess you were involved in during business school that had to do with this education space? Yeah, so I was part of a group in um, at Harvard that was called Consulting for Impact, and so they matched students, MBA students, with organizations that had short-term projects they needed help with. So. Through that organization, that's how I got connected with Boston Public Schools uh, Department of Early Childhood, and I worked on some projects for them related to um, how to optimize their after-school offerings oh, wow. for families. And then ultimately, I worked with them the summer between my uh, two years of business school, and they were implementing something like universal pre-K, so where um, families in Boston would have the opportunity to send their four-year-olds to pre-K either in a Boston Public Schools building or in a community organization that was partnering with Boston Public Schools. So I did a lot there trying to figure out how to make that model work, how to make it sustainable and scalable. Was this also the type of work you were doing during professional management consulting within education as well? It was similar, yeah. Like looking at what's the problem we're trying to solve, how have other districts or other universities solved it, what data do we have to inform how we, what solution might work best for this particular university or school um, and then making a recommendation. Yeah, it was, it was pretty similar Absolutely. in that way. I'm also just curious as to, I think maybe you briefly touched upon this, but that passion for education and what pro you talk a lot about problem solving and what problems you were seeing in education that made you want to pursue this career shift. Ooh, great question. <laughs> I think for me, one of the things I feel most grateful for is that through my education, I've been given the skills to be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. So I always feel like I can learn and grow if there's something in my personal life or at work that I feel like 
haven't quite figured out yet, I feel like, oh, I can go read about it and figure out how to overcome it. Or I can ask questions of people who are mentors or advisors and, and think about how to solve it. And I just feel like that skill of being able to be a lifelong learner makes us really resilient and also allows us to share our unique talents with the world. And it's really important to me that everyone, every student, every learner has the opportunity to develop those skills to become a lifelong learner so they can shape their lives into the lives they want and so and that they can share their sort of unique talents and skills with us and with society. And so that's really what motivates me to work in education, whether it's in consulting or now in teaching, um, just really helping students sort of develop that. Absolutely. Is that also why you switched from, I guess, working directly with the education firms to now being a professor of practice at UH? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great connection. (laughs) I think that um, that's been a huge part of it, um, just wanting to work with students directly. Another big part of it is I was living in Boston, working for Panorama Education and really wanted to make the move back to Houston. Um, As a native Houstonian, Mm -hmm. I think this is the best city in the world. (laughs) And I've lived in a lot of other cities and visited a lot of other cities. And, you know, U of H is sort of at the heart of Houston. Mm -hmm. And I also really wanted a lot of jobs have been going remote and I wanted a job that was more in person. Mm -hmm. Um, Teaching is really in person and really interactive, which I love. Um, And then just to be honest, you know, I've talked a lot about what I think engineering studies gave me and the skills it taught me. But it was also really hard for me. I had a lot of challenging moments and I wanted to come back and help students get through those challenging moments so they could have great opportunities once they got through engineering. And so that small hurdles that feel very big at the time didn't prevent them from getting from graduating and getting those great job opportunities after graduation. Absolutely. Kind of on that note, um, did you ever experience any imposter syndrome as an engineering student or even as a business student, especially being at schools such as Princeton and Harvard? I will definitely say I had challenges in engineering and I had, I think a lot of people have these moments, but I remember really vividly, I didn't know that at the time, and I remember my sophomore spring sitting in Starbucks working on a problem set for probably the 20th hour (laughs) and not really feeling like I was getting it and saying to my friend who is also in engineering, oh my gosh, if this doesn't get easier, if we don't get better at this by next semester, we can't, we have to stop engineering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really believed that. Like, I really felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is for me. It's so challenging. Um, But then, you know, it did get easier, right? Like I figured out time management, I figured out how to ask for help. Um, I figured out how to persevere even when something, a problem seemed impossible at first mm-hmm. and it got easier and, you know, my grades got better my um, uh, junior and senior year. And I just felt like more like, oh, I can find my own path in engineering and it's hard for everyone. It's mm-hmm. not just a, a me problem. And yeah, those are definitely the kinds of things I hope I can help my students with now. Absolutely. So just for my clarification and for anybody else that's listening, what does professor of practice mean? And your role specifically, what do you teach? What is your responsibility to, I guess, here at UH? Great question. So professor of practice means that I come to teaching from experience in industry Mm -hmm. versus experience in research or academia. Um, So my hope for my class is that I'm bringing in my experience from the working world to help students answer questions like, why do I need to learn this? Or that's one of my students' favorite questions. Or 
well, I really use this and my job. And I try to bring a lot of examples from my work experience, but also from other people's work experience to say like, yes, you will. And this is how, um, and this is why we're learning this. It's not just to torture you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I teach, uh, in this, in the fall right now, I'm teaching engineering 1100, Mm -hmm. which is the very first engineering course that freshman engineers take in their fall semester. And then in the spring, I'll teach engineering 1331, which is introduction to computing. Mm -hmm. And where we get to go, we talk a little bit about Excel and MATLAB in the course right now, but then we get to go really deep into MATLAB Mm -hmm. in the spring, which I'm excited about. And then the other parts of my job um, outside of teaching, I work on recruiting. So bringing prospective undergraduate students to Collin College of Engineering and helping them see the possibility for them to have a great path here. And then I also uh, work with Dr. Dan Burleson and we run the Grand Challenge Scholars Program, which is uh, a a newish program at University of Houston where students can apply uh, at the end of their freshman year to join a cohort of students who are really committed to solving problems using their engineering skills that are based on health, sustainability, security, and education. And we help them create sort of an individualized plan for getting all kinds of experiences related to the challenge that they're interested in, experiences in research, experiences in internships, entrepreneurship, multidisciplinary classwork, that kind of thing. So it's a really cool program, really committed students. And um, we have 12 students right now, but we're really looking to grow that. So that's something that I spend a lot of my time working on. Absolutely. I think it's really great that there are faculty like you at UH um, that have experiences from so many different fields because I know a lot of engineering students, at least within my class, and I'm sure in other majors and classes as well, um, that go into engineering but want to pursue something after their postgrad, whether it's business or maybe, I don't know, tech or anything that isn't engineering. So having perspectives that can guide them, kind of like faculty like you, are, is really helpful and I guess inspiring that, you know, you're not really limited to one thing, even though you may think it's super hard or you kind of can just do anything, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. I totally <laughs> agree. I do think an engineering degree is just great preparation for whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. be it engineering, business, whatever. I also will say um, one thing I'm really excited to do in my class is bringing guest lectures mm-hmm. because I think that really shows the breadth of what engineers can do. And uh, we're lucky here at U of H, we have such incredible engineering alums. And you can just see by looking at them all the different things you can do with a UH engineering degree. So I hope you find that inspiring too. I definitely do. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Also, just for my curiosity, I guess, you did a lot of work with energy within your undergrad. And now you're back here in Houston, which is one of the, I guess, biggest cities for for energy and oil and gas. Um, Is there any chance or any passion of you, any passion and energy that you still have that could possibly want to pursue energy again? Oh, something like that. Totally. I think energy is such an interesting problem because it impacts all of our lives mm-hmm. and it also requires huge investment, mm-hmm. right? So that's something that I always loved coming from Texas mm-hmm. and coming from Houston where, you know, oil and gas or renewable energy pro- comp, uh, projects, these are multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. projects. So I've also worked in tech and, you know, tech tends to be based in the Bay Area and people in the Bay Area talk about oh, we get a $40 million investment. And $40 million <laughs> when you're you know, building software, that can go a really long way. 
but when you're building a wind farm or you're doing offshore drilling or things like that, you know, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, a it's like it doesn't even put a dent in. And so I always love sort of the boldness of energy and infrastructure projects and the vision and the patience that it requires. And I do feel like that's something that we are uniquely good at here in Houston. And um, one of the things that's really fun about working on the Grand Challenge program is that we do have a lot of students who are interested in energy. And I um, am sort of able to guide them, guide, work with them and see what they're interested in. Like I have a, a group now that's really interested in nuclear fusion and working on a um, extracurricular project on that. And so um, I definitely like getting to explore that interest and learn from my students and help hopefully bring some experience to bear to help them as well. Absolutely. Um, now coming upon my last few questions, what advice would you give to engineering students looking to pursue business or any other field um, after their undergrad? I think the first thing is really just to get the most out of your studies right now. So remember that learning how to solve challenging problems that are multidisciplinary, understanding how to synthesize data and find insights from data and working in groups. Those are all the skills that your engineering education is going to ask you for, but they will also help you in business. So don't shortchange yourself by not focusing on your studies now. Um, I'd also say look for connections between engineering problems and business. So, you know, when I worked for a company that was in the wind energy industry, it was really clear that the more energy that a wind farm produced, the more money it could make, right? <laughs> and so when we're talking about things that are considered more technical or more traditional engineering, like wind turbine selection and how do you lay out the wind farm to maximize energy output, that's really closely linked to dollars and the business outcome. So when you're in an internship or when you're working on projects, think about where do those connections lie and how can you un better understand them? And I think the last thing is just talk to alumni about their paths and remember that there's infinite number of paths and your job is to find the right path for you. So don't feel like, oh, I need to copy this person's exact path. Um, talk to people, see what worked for them, and then really think deeply about what works, what will work for you and go after that. Absolutely. Um, kind of on that note, with your experience, being a woman in, that was studying mechanical engineering and then business school and then now a professor um, of engineering, those are very male-dominated fields. Um, why is there such an importance, or why do you think there's such an importance of highlighting women in engineering specifically? I think that engineering, at the end of the day, is important because we're solving problems that matter for the world. And I think in order to do that well, we need to really bring diverse perspectives to the table. And so in my job as a professor, in my job recruiting, I want everyone to know that they can find success as an engineer if that's what they want. And I want as many diverse brains at the table as possible um, so that we can generate as many interesting solutions as possible and pick um, the best ones. And often that requires really deep understanding of context. And that's another place where you really need diverse perspectives. So um, I think it's sort of twofold. We we need all kinds of engineers so we can get the best solutions possible. And engineering is a really great path. And so I don't want anyone, um, especially women, to think that they can't do it because they absolutely can. And it's been really rewarding for me. And I just 
don't want anyone to feel like for any reason they can't go after something that, that, that that's what they want because curiosity is a huge gift, right? Like it gets us out of bed in the morning, pushes us to be our best selves, helps us do things we thought were impossible. So like if you're curious about, a, about engineering, if you think you want to be an engineer, um, I really don't think you should let anything stop you from that. And you absolutely can do it. Um, and I think that that's, that's why probably it's, that's why it's important that women feel like they can do this because it's true. Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's a, that's a good inspiring note to end on. I had a couple more questions, but I think they might've been more redundant, but I absolutely love what you just said. I think also um, just within myself, I just, sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Not, not saying that maybe this is more of a, a, a man's field, but more so questioning my abilities to perform in such a technical field that I don't necessarily say not inclined to as well. I think I'm a very artistic person in general, um, but just having that in the back of my mind of what's the bigger goal? What do I want to achieve with this? What can this do for me to go on after post-grad and achieve anything I want to achieve? Um, it's good to have in my mind and it just kind of motivates me and gets me through. And I'm sure for all the other students here, female or not, it's just something to have in our back of our, something that we have in the back of our mind of, you know, what are we going to get at the end of this? And it's very rewarding. Totally. And I think it's really important that we remember that I heard some of my colleagues call it here, here call it like a, a students sometimes stub their toe, right? <laughs> like when we're running at something really hard, like engineering, mm -hmm. we're going to stub our toe yeah. and there's going to be tests that don't go well. There's going to be problem sets <laughs> that feel impossible. There's going to be weeks that you feel like, how am I supposed to get all of this done? And I think it's really important that we remember that that's a part of engineering. It's not personal to us. It's not a defect with us. Mm -hmm. The reason that engineering is good preparation for the real world in part is because it's hard, mm -hmm. right? It, it is because it pushes us and that can feel really uncomfortable at times. And I, I think it's our job as professors and, um, one of my goals is just to make people realize like, that's not, on, that's not about you. It's not a defect with you. Mm -hmm. It's not that engineering is not for you. It's just, that's what engineering is like <laughs> for everyone. And I think you can talk to anyone and they have those, they can tell you about their bad tests or a class they really didn't get. And that's just part of the journey. And so, yeah, I love what you said. <laughs> and, um, I think it is absolutely worth it. And normally the things that are worth it are a little challenging. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> is absolutely what engineering what engineering is and why it's so great. Um, but yeah, if you come in thinking, oh, it should be easy. And if it's not easy, this isn't what's right for me. Like, it's going to feel like it's not right for you. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing you said that was so interesting that I do want to talk about is like, Ooh, I'm, a, I'm an artistic person, so does that mean I'm not an engineer? Mm -hmm. And I actually think that is like a superpower, right? Like we're trying to figure out, we all have to learn the technical skills, right? Like we all, in my class, we have to learn Excel, we have to learn MATLAB, and there's a reason for that. It's because those are powerful tools that will help us solve problems mm -hmm. in the future. And then, then we're looking at how can we layer our unique talents onto that. So um, if you're really artistic, right, you might be really strong at at technical drawing or at brainstorming or at coming up with really out of the box solutions. So I think that makes you an even better engineer. It doesn't make you not an engineer. Well, I was thinking when you were saying as well, because you shifted into education, which is more of a liberal arts 
subject or topic, mm-hmm. I guess. And so having those engineering technical skills, I guess, aided you um, within pursuing and making making your work there successful within education. So I guess like what you said, all these different perspectives from anyone is just helping build engineering more in the problems that we have to solve in the world. Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> awesome. So those are the questions I have for you, Alex. Thank you so much for joining with me today. I'm sure everyone else would love or will love to hear your perspectives and your experience and will feel inspired because I surely am. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. I feel so lucky with the students like you every day. It really is um, such a great place to be here at UH. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Steminist Podcast. Tune in next time where we'll be hearing from more amazing women in STEM. Want to listen to more podcast episodes? Check out our podcast website at www.egr.uh.edu to listen and subscribe today.